0: You're listening to the Abide podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to abidechurchfl.com and enjoy today's message.
1: So we're going to start a new series today. How many of you are excited about that?
0: Oh, look, half the
1: room. Okay. All right. So we we're starting a series today called "A House Built for Him." I want you to say, "A House." A house. Built for him. Built for him. I want I want this to be cemented. I want it to be written on your heart because this is what we're going after. There are many houses, when I say a house, mean churches. And we're not here to to speak negatively about any church. That's not the DNA of this house. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is we want to really be focused and aligned on what God is calling us to do here. On what he's speaking to us and what he's releasing through his people. And so we've been asking this question, what does it look like for us to have a house that is built for him? There are many houses built for many purposes. If you know, you've you've gone to many churches, if you've been saved or you've been walking with the Lord for any time, you've gone to many houses and there are many emphases for many different houses. And those things aren't wrong. There are some houses that you'll go into. I have friends who they lead churches that are about recovery and addiction and some that are about evangelism. But at this house, one of the things that God has marked us with is for us to create a house that is for him. Where we create an altar where his presence can reside, and we, we are captivated, consumed, obsessed with keeping him here. Yeah. So that's why, did you feel that today when we started worshiping, the shift that happened in the room? Like, like the whole room, if you didn't feel it, you'll get it. But there's something that happened where it's like we went to another level in worship. And in those moments, how we respond matters, and we have felt this, this burden, this desire to help us move forward in that. Not just in word. There it goes. See, yeah, I couldn't do it. I feel like I was being held down. <laughs> not just in word. Not just in, in something that we put on a wall. But how can we tangibly become a people that are moving in, t- towards God in every area of their life? Because Listen. Anyone can say, I'm good at worshiping Jesus. He's my everything when destiny and Covey are leading worship. It's easy. But I want to move us from Sunday to Monday. Yeah, come on, come on. Like, listen, we do good at the Sunday morning thing, but what's going on on Monday yeah, when you right. get called into work and somebody cusses you up and down? Come on. Like, what does that, what does your faith, what does your expression look like him? Yeah. And so back to the series we're doing, we're, we're, we're calling this a houseboat for him because we believe this, when we keep the main thing the main thing, when we stay focused on being a house that hosts him well, that has to carry over into every area of our lives. The shift in the focus moves from, hey, how do we host him well on Sundays to, man, how do I carry him into my job? Like, like how do I do this in the context of family when I have two young kids? You know, we have two young kids who are six and three. How do we, how do we shepherd them and help them move towards God's heart. And so today, what we wanna talk about is we wanna talk about the subject of identity. And we really wanna tackle this question, who are you? Like when you strip it all back, not, not what do you do? Not like, hey, my name is Bob and I'm a CPA, that's good. That's what you do. But like, who are you? When you peel back the layers, when you take off the mask, when you get beyond religiosity, What makes you you? Like, what is the unique expression that you carry to the world that nobody else can? And that's what I want to begin to to get you to see. Because a house built for him starts with this, a people who know who they are. It starts with full identity. It starts with you being free to be fully you and not feeling the pressure of religion, not feeling the pressure of people but allowing God to speak into your soul. Are you hearing me? Are you alive? Yeah. It's going to be better if I run around. I'll do the running around thing. It's a, yeah. But for you, for you to be fully alive, and so this really started with my wife and I having a conversation. I was just talking to her. I'm like, you know what, man? I was at prayer summit Monday through Wednesday, and I was just, the Lord asked me this question, Geo. who are you? And in those moments, it becomes really easy to say, well, i well, hello, my name is Gio, and I'm a pastor, God. Or my name is Gio, and like, I, I, I do well with people. But he wasn't really asking me about that, was he? He, he was asking me, like, Gio, I, I want you to, I want, I want to know if you are aware of what's going on in your heart. So I'm talking to my wife, and I asked her, I said, babe, if, if you, if I were to be honest and ask you, who are you, how would you answer that question? And she was like, wow, I don't know. And that's the first thing we really want to do is we want to demystify this question Mm -hmm. and and let you know this. It's okay to approach that question, who are you, and not have all the answers. Are you hearing me? It's okay. Because what keeps us trapped in in, in the routine and the hamster wheel of religion and trying to keep up with people is feeling the pressure to think, I have to know every answer to every question. But many times we see Jesus approaching people and asking questions, because he wants them to become aware of, I'm not sure you know the answer to that yet. So, for example, in the garden, God goes, Adam, where are you? It wasn't a geological question. It wasn't geographical, right? It was, he, Adam was in a place where he didn't know who he was. So, my wife began to talk to us. I mean, do you want to speak a little bit about the COVID thing?
0: I mean, I think that, like, so COVID happened this year, or last year. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, it's almost been a year. Ah. <laughs> <Ugh. sighs> So, like, COVID happens, and so it starts exposing things, right? Like, it exposes our false securities. Mm -hmm. So, you see, like, at the time I was on social media, because that's what you did. COVID was happening. You were stuck inside. You needed some sense of people. So, social media was your people. So, I'm looking, and I start seeing, like, okay, people, what is the first thing people start turning to? So, you see, like, two different, really three different sides. You see some people turning to, like, comfort food, and they're like, All the Oreos, buying all the Oreos. Give me all the Oreos that Biscoe has. And then you have the other side. He's like, I'm going to get ripped. Like, (laughs) oh, this is my moment. And then you have these weird Tiger King people who are like, Carol Baskin, she did it. She did it. And so like, hold up. y'all. Some of y'all are acting holy. I know that y'all watched that. (laughs) Like, quit playing. I know you watched it. So you see all this different stuff. And I think what COVID did was it exposed who we were and what we initially ran to like, immediately it started exposing what was our comfort. Was it the gym? Was it food? Was it Tiger King? Like, what were we running to? And so he's, he's driving with me, and we're heading somewhere, and he asked me, well, who do you are? And I was like, do you want the churchy answer? I was like, I'll give it to you. I am the daughter of the Most High. I am a conqueror, and like, I'm like going through all the church things, because like, that's what we do. I said, but if we get deeper than that, I don't know if I could really answer the question that well. Yeah. Um, and I was, so he's telling me this, and I was like, I think we should talk about it. Because in the church, we, we sometimes hear these pastors up here speaking, and they're like, you know who you are, who you are, and whose you are. And then like say all this stuff, and you're like, but do I know, like, fully who I am? And so this week, I feel like I got, I don't know, I feel like some people came for me this week, okay? Like, can we be honest? These little heifers on TikTok where, listen y'all, I'm being serious, I'm being serious for right now, okay? These little little, little jits on uh, uh, TikTok, start. do y'all know what TikTok is? Should I explain? Okay, TikTok's an app for some of you who don't know it. It does like little, uh, like you do like, you see all the teenagers walking around going like this, that's TikTok. So um, I know that because we have teenagers and they're always moving. I'm like, you got Tourette's, what's going on? Um, so that's what it is. So apparently on TikTok this week, some Gen Zers. Where are y'all at? I see you. Mm-hmm. Making eye contact right now. Okay, some Gen Zers came after the Millennials, and they were like, "Yeah, we see you with your side part and your skinny jeans." Okay, so I felt like I was like, "All right, first of all, I wear skinny jeans every week. Now, second, I do not wear a side part; it's middle." So I was like, "Don't, don't fully come for me." And like two weeks ago, one of the youth came up to me. And they were like, hey, who's in charge of Pastor Gio's drip? And I was like, his what? His drip. And I was like, I don't, I'm his what? He's like, yeah, your drip looks good too. And I was like, what is a drip? And one of the other youth girls was like, it's your clothes. Your clothes look good. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to fall into the temptation of these Gen Zers telling me how I'm supposed to dress. I'm like, I am not wearing mom jeans. Okay, this happens. Tuesday, I ordered four pair of mom jeans, yeah. okay? I'm just being realistic, and they're, they'll be here tomorrow. So right. na- Today, I wore a dress, so y'all can't come for me right now, because I don't have skinny jeans on. I have a dress on. Okay, see, she has mom jeans on. So I'm in this text thread. I, guys, I'm only here for comedic relief. I am not here for anything spiritual. So uh, I'm in this text thread, and all of a sudden, all these girls are like, we're not giving in to the pressure. We are proud millennials. I'm not lying. Yeah. By last night, all of us had ordered mom jeans. So and we were like, some of us are wearing them today. I'm not calling anyone out, but she's over there. <laughs> <laughs> but we were like, we're not going to do it. We're not going to fall. But we felt the pressure. But it was one of those things. It's like, I know who I am. I'm proud to be a millennial. And then I was like, am I? Like, mm. And how many times do Christians do that? Like, I know I'm a daughter. I know. And then the enemy just comes in with a little bit of pressure. And it's like, God, where are you? Yeah. Are you here? Are you actually a loving father? Yeah. And so we're really quick to flip the script. Yeah. And so uh, when we were talking yesterday, I was like, well, I totally fell victim to that this week.
1: Let's, let's open up to Revelations 3 real quick. Give... <laughs> yeah,
0: you guys. <laughs> Spiritual.
1: That's, a, that's a good segue to Revelations, right?
0: Right. We're going to, you know what? I did have to put on Facebook because today is Valentine's Day that we were not going to be talking about love because most of the time when you see pastors, when they join together to do like co-preaching, it's always on like, that's, we're talking about love and marriage. I was like, not us, my friend, (laughs) but we do love marriage. Straight
1: to Revelation. See church of Laodicea. Okay. Okay. So we, we were talking, and, and really what she's talking about really does, because we were having this discussion about this church. You want to read through, Ben?
0: Yeah, I do. So we're, we're talking, and he's asking me these questions of, like, who are you? And I was like, well, you know what? Like, as a pastor, I'm having a really hard time answering this right now. Yeah. Um, obviously, like I said, I could give you what the Bible tells us, but I myself am struggling with this answer um, deep down besides the generic answer, and so I was reminded, I actually shared this with the worship team two weeks ago, um, and this is in Revelation, and they're going to put it up behind us, but I'm going to read to you Revelation 3. Don't worry, it's nothing about seals being broken, people stuff. It's just, it's something simple. So this is the Church of Laodicea. And it says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I'd advise to you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by the fire, and then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness, ooh, that was country right there, and ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. So I just want to hit this for a second. So I'm reading this. And I'm like, the Lord's ministering to me. And I'm like, I have read this scripture about a thousand times. Everyone probably has. And some preachers probably told you, don't be lukewarm. You're lukewarm. You're going to hell. And so they'll say stuff like that. But that is not actually what the scripture is saying. Because the Lord tells us in Second Peter that He, it is his will and desire that none shall perish. So he would not tell you to be cold. Yeah. He would not. That is not the loving God that we have. He does not want to see you perish. But what it's actually saying is I would rather you be hot for medicinal purposes or I'd rather you be cold for refreshment. But lukewarm, you're no good to me at all. So he's not telling you to be hot or cold in your faith. He's telling you to be one or the other because he wants you to be used for something. And so I read this and I totally related to it because I'm like how many times Lord, how am I naked, am I wretched, am I miserable, and I don't see it, and the fact of the matter is the Lord was not rebuking them for being blind, he was not rebuking them for being naked, he rebuked them for being that way, and not knowing they were that way, and I don't know about you, but hold up, I don't know about you, but how many times do we get in the church, and let's be realistic, we put our little faces on, and it's like, You come in here and you're like, I'm good, I'm great, the Lord is doing great things in me, and everyone's like, hey, you don't look that great. Better yet, let me break it down for you guys. How many of you have been around a friend who has got really stank breath, and no one wants to tell them, like they don't know that they have stank breath, but they're walking around and they're really close to you, and everyone's like, yo, you're not good, get a mint, get a mint, get a mint, get a mint. It's the same thing with your Christian walk. It's like you're sitting here and you're going, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, and the Lord's like, no, you're not I'm not mad at you for not being good right yeah. now. I am mad that you won't recognize you're not good. Like for real. I'm not mad at you for not being good. I'm just rec- I want you to recognize that you you're having a struggle. And so I was reading this and I said, "Lord, forgive me because this is totally me. This is I'm not just putting this on you guys. There are moments I think in the church We, like, the church that I grew up in, it was all about repent, repent, repent. You're horrible. You're never going to be good enough. Nothing you'll do will be good enough. And then we went the other way, and all of a sudden I'm like some queen walking around, and I don't need Jesus anymore. And there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong when I start acting like I'm something and I'm not. I'm only something because he made me something. I cannot do it on my own. So the moment I start coming over here going, I can do this on my own, the moment I get it twisted, the moment I am in error. And so I love that our pastor said this to us. He said, I'm just a beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread of life. Yeah. And that is where we need to be as a church is when we recognize, when we recognize our need for him, they, when they, the moment they recognize their need for him, they got eyes out. He brought healing to them, and then he began to It was the moment they said, okay, Lord, I can see that I need you.
1: It's amazing, right, because we walk around with this shame and this condemnation and this feeling like we're just not good enough. And it it perpetuates in this cycle when all God is saying is just, I just want you to be honest with yourself. I just want you to be honest with where you're at, because that honesty, that vulnerability, that, that ability to connect your heart with where you're really at Will, will give you the ability to receive healing. Mm-hmm. So he says to them, be diligent. Like, he, he goes on, he says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So him, him coming to you and helping you recognize where you're at, it's not from a place of shame or saying you're just yeah. not good enough. It's love. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, look at where you're at. I have so much better for you. Yeah. So he says, be diligent and turn. Say turn. Turn. That means you gotta turn from your indifference. From this feeling of like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll serve God. Maybe uh, I'm just not feeling it. That's indifference, right? It's like, oh, I just don't know. It's like being all in. Be diligent. Be faithful. Then he gives this description. Look, I'm knocking at the door, Mm -hmm. which is scary because if we're a church and he's speaking to them in the context of church, if Jesus is knocking, it means he's on the outside of the church. Let's just be aware of what's going on. They're doing their thing. They think they got it all going on. They're worshiping. They got got it going on. Yet Jesus is on the outside trying to get in. And I love it because he's not coming in to rebuke. He says, I want to come in. I just want to share a meal with you. (laughs) Like, I just want to do family. One of my my favorite parts of ministry is just going to like the Romero's house and eating never-ending meat. Some of you need to be friends with Andy Romero. It'll bless you. But, 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 but let's be serious. One of the best things about Christianity is we get to be family. Yeah. And we get to be in one another's lives. And this, this is the context of the Jesus we serve. I'm knocking at the door. Will you turn? Because I want to come in and I want to share the meal together with you as friends. And so there's something so beautiful. Like I just want us all to just pause for a moment and think, like, where am I in life? I'm not asking you to be further ahead. I'm asking you honestly evaluate. I'm not talking about how much scripture you read. The Bible's clear. Jesus says, these people, they worship me and they, with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So you could approach this book every day of your life and you can be disciplined yet not know him. Yeah, come on. Why? How do, how do you get there? By not recognizing, not connecting your heart to his heart. That's why the Bible says knowledge it puffs up, right? Yeah. It stops us from being aware from what's really going on in our heart. And so, like, like let's take examples in the Bible where, where people, because this is what's gonna happen to you. There are times in your life where things are gonna happen. So, like let's take the story of Gideon, for example, where the Lord comes to Gideon and he speaks over him, a moment of, hey, you mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, Me? And this is what happens in the church all the time. I just want to give you examples. Because the reality is things that happened in Gideon's life that stopped him from seeing within himself what God saw in him. Yeah. Yeah. How do we know? Because he says, I am the least of the least and my tribe is the least. Yeah. Come on. So you're speaking, he's speaking to a person. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He's speaking to a person. We would have all laughed. Let's be real. He's speaking to a person that felt marginalized. They felt overlooked. They felt forgotten. They felt like God had bypassed them. They had heard stories about the way God moved, but they just couldn't tangibly see it in their time. And within the context of your life, I'm talking about recognition. Mm -hmm. There are moments in our life where things happen or better get things don't happen. You hear stories about the way God would move. You see God moving in people's lives, in their ministries, in their workplace. You see them be blessed. And if you're not careful, if you're not connected, intellectually, your heart's not connected, you begin to think, well, God just passed me by. You begin to take on this identity where there are moments where God will come and try to speak things over you. He'll call you by certain names and you can't receive it. Because you've taken on an identity that was rooted in things not going the way you thought they should go. I've come to this conclusion. We're believing for regional transformation. Amen. Yeah. We're believing that God wants to come into this community and transform it. Yeah. A lot of people will say, well, people don't, just don't want to give up their time because they're too busy or they're lazy. This is what people say. I don't think it's that. I think the real issue we have going on in the church is people lack the ability to see themselves the way God sees them. Mm-hmm. So it may materialize, oh, I'm just busy, I just got, but, but what's really going on is you really fundamentally deep down don't believe that God can use you the way we think he can use you. Mm-hmm. That's why we've created this separation between staff and leaders. blah, 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 when really he calls all of us, but you are a chosen people, a royal Priest priesthood he's talking about you yeah he's not talking about pastors and apostles he's talking about you but but god has chosen you and he has created with you a royal priest someone who can minister to god and minister to man and so watch this there are seasons i want you to think about this because i want you to connect the dots there are moments in life that happen the bible would call them hope deferred it's like a real tangible example Like when we first got married, one of my greatest desires coming from broken family and different things was I wanted a healthy family. This was a hope in my heart. You understand? We're connecting. A hope in my heart. But yet in the first year of marriage, we experienced two miscarriages and my wife falling into a deep depression year one. Now, listen. When you go through situations in life, it's really easy for your image of God to become distorted based off the things you go through. And the way you view God will determine how you experience him. So as we're walking through this depression, we go through this season where I begin to think, well, God's just about blessing everybody else, but he's obviously forgotten about my dreams. Now, now, I need you to understand it's really hard to sing songs about God being good after walking through a season like that. And what began to happen is I began to lose my my identity as a son because identity comes from the father. This is the reason we have identity crisis in, in, in the world today. It's a lack of fathers. I'm not talking about sperm donors. I'm talking about fathers. People who are actively present in someone's life, releasing identity and covering them. And so part, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to recognize moments in your life where maybe things didn't play out the way you thought they should. And I want to ask you, how has that affected your view of God and yourself? Because the moment God comes to you in these intimate moments like in worship today and he begins to release over you, hey, mighty warrior, hey, son, hey, daughter, I want to ask you, can you receive that? You say, well, well how, how do I know? Here's how, here's how I know when we're connecting the dots between who God is and, and me really knowing him. It's when I begin to walk in that truth, meaning, watch this. I know in my life God is Jehovah-Jireh provider by my ability to give him my finances. Mm-hmm. I know that I know God is healer because he healed my wife, because he healed my children, but also in moments where things look rough, I don't allow that hopelessness to get in my heart. I begin to, I continue to stand on the word of the Lord. So how do I know? You know by the way you live your life. It's a great indicator. Anybody can say God is faithful, God is good. But you, you begin to know that you know when you begin to walk it out. Go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah. So much pressure, you guys. No, it's true. I think, um... One of the biggest things is, like, I know he's going to talk a little bit about uh, David and Saul, but you see this. I'll talk about it. Go ahead. Um, But you see this with David and Saul. You see David's called, and then all these people around him are like, hey, yo, like, put on Saul's armor. And the moment he tries to do something that he is not called to do, and he puts on someone else's grace, you see him. He's like, hey, I can't do this. I can't fight this fight because this is not my grace. And so I'm so reminded of that with us and ourselves. The Lord will put people around you to help you walk out the grace in your life. And so, for instance, if I try to do the things that Tyler is called to do, I will quickly burn out and give up because there's a grace for Tyler to do it. But there's also a grace on Tyler's life to help me do what I am called to do. And so being able to recognize your identity will help you recognize other people's identity, and it will help you celebrate people. And so one of the things that started happening when the Lord called us to this church is we felt we, we were to be Levites. And if you know anything about Levites, they were to minister to the Lord. They were consecrated. So what was started happening is we were being Levites, and then the Lord would put us around Judah's. And if you know anything about Judah, Judah was very extravagant in his worship and very in the front and very loud so we would be Levites over here, and we would start looking at Judas, and we would start judging Judas because they were not behaving like Levites, yes. and so what happened was we needed to stop for a second, recognize that we are not Judas. Yeah. We are called to be Levites, and the moment we recognize we are Levites, we then don't judge anyone else, yeah. and it's the same thing in our lives. What we'll do is if we're not careful, we'll just go, oh, we'll look at them, you know, they're... I guess they're free to do that. And you start judging them. Well, they're free to drink. Well, I'm not. Well, that's okay for you. You don't have to be free to drink. But they are. But you don't get to judge them for that because the Lord has not called them to be that. That's not the identity he put on them. It's the identity he put on you. And so you have to recognize what he's called you to do. Because if not, you're going to walk around wounding people. Because what you'll do is you'll get in certain groups, and I see a lot in the church world, and you'll just be like, did you see that pastor? Do you see how that pastor's acting? Do you see how free they are? Do you see what they're saying? And that's because that pastor's got a different calling. And so it's so important to confess those things. So I I was just telling him, you know, the importance of confession, recognizing, like, who I am. I confess who I am, but I also confess who I'm not. Because if you put the wrong label on me, I will let you down. So I will just, because we're talking about confession, I'll just let you know right now. One of my pet peeves, y'all don't hate me. Don't hate me right now. Y'all forgive me. But one of my pet peeves is being called pastor's wife. I don't sit in that role well. You can call me Pastor Destiny, that's fine, but most pastor's wives, they have just a very gentle operating spirit. So the moment you come up to me and you say, this is pastor's wife, I will fail you in that calling because that is not the calling the Lord put on me. And so I have to, I had to recognize that because when we got into this ministry, people kept calling me that. And I kept saying, I need to be more meek. I need to be more humble. I need to be more this. I need to be more gentle. And I started tearing myself down. And so I get around people and they'd be like, you're such a strong woman. And they would mean it as an insult. And I was one day with John Valentine, and he said, Next time they say that to you, you say, Thank you. I am a strong woman. Hey, I am strong because that's who the Lord called me to be. But the moment I operate outside of my calling, one, I will start hating myself because that's not who the Lord called me to be.
1: You got Valentine.
0: I got Valentine. We're going to
1: copyright it.
0: We're copywriting that for just Valentine. If you have ever been around John Valentine and he Valentines you, you'll know you got Valentine, okay? I'm just saying. He will valentine you, but he did, and it helped. It helped me recognize to celebrate who I am and not not be mad at who I'm not.
1: So number one, right, we recognize moments in our life where things didn't play out where we were trying to play Lord. Yeah. And number two, we need to recognize, look, stay in your lane.
0: Yeah.
1: It will free you. Yeah. It will free you. Like one of the amazing things about David is as he was going to fight Goliath, and and they said he Saul said, "Put on my armor." He's like, "It just doesn't fit." Mm-hmm. And the problem is, there's too many people in the church trying to wear things that don't fit. Come it doesn't on. fit you, bro. Like, and and what will happen is it will free you to be fully you, and that's what you want. Yeah, you don't want to be walking around in somebody else's armor and somebody else's anointing. So you need to recognize to, to be able to reject that, you got to know who you are. Yeah, David's like, "No, no, no, give me the staff and the sling. I'll be all right." Mm-hmm. And so. Recognize those moments, those opportunities, but also realize listen, some of you may be carrying things that are not for you. You're like, you feel heavy. You're like, it's the devil. It's really not, though. It's really not, though. It's like, it's you trying to do things that God has not called you to do. Come on, come on. And the, to be the best version of you, you got to be you. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And so I kind of I want to land this here. I want to go to Matthew 15. We'll go to Matthew, and what I want to do is I want to walk us through Matthew 14, 15 real quick. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want you to see something. In Matthew 14, Jesus, he sees a crowd, and he has, the Bible says he has compassion. This is Matthew 14, 13. He has compassion on them, and he heals them. And that evening, the disciples came, and I want you to see that he he invites them to feed the people, right? He's inviting them to new levels of ministry, but what he's really doing is he's revealing himself to them. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, in this moment, they get to see Jesus as provider, as miracle worker. They're in the midst of this. It's not theoretical. It's not something that was told to them. They're seeing it happen. Jesus multiplies, and he feeds the people. He tells them to sit down. Then, then they see Jesus walk on water, right? Jesus sends them away. They're, he's walking along the water. So now they don't only see him as provider as as miracle worker but now he's the, the dude's walking on water like chris angel's like he's walking on water right like he, he he he's like it's crazy like because we read it and we don't realize like if somebody came up to you walking on water it would change your life come on yeah. yeah it would it was like whoa 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 what's going on here we just were like wow jesus you walked on water no <laughs> listen <laughs> we were in spring hill and there was this guy He was like, he had a lot of young kids and he wanted, he was trying to level up his faith. And he's like, I'm going to walk on water. And he walks to the backyard and he's like, I'm going to do it. Doesn't take his cell phone out of his pocket. He's like, I'm about to walk on this water. And his kids are watching and he walks full tilt. Like he takes two steps, but then he fell. It was awesome. (laughs) That's the end of the story. Kudos to him for faith though, right? Matthew 15, Jesus is speaking to them about their hearts. So watch this. He reveals himself in greater ways. Then he says, listen, this is important because the Pharisees, they look good on the outside, but they're dead on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And then he gives this description. He says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts, say their hearts, their hearts are far. So he's showing them so, like it's a lesson sandwiched in the middle of what I believe are two important things. He reveals himself as miracle worker, as provider, as somebody who transcends even the laws of physics. Then he says, listen, I want you to look on the inside. I want you to look at your heart because their hearts are far from me. Their worship is farce for they teach man-made ideas. So he's getting them. And then he does it again. He heals people and he feeds the 4,000. So they're seeing this. And then you get to chapter 15. I believe it's 15. Yes, it is. Oh, where are we at? Help me, Jesus. Yeah, it's 16. Yeah, 16. We get to this moment that I believe it, it's. Listen to me for a second. This is the question Jesus is confronting us with today. It's a confrontational moment. Jesus reveals himself the same way, whether you realize it or not, what happened in worship today, Jesus was revealing himself to us. He was revealing himself. And then he gives us these moments to say, let's graduate from a feeling in a moment to what's going on in your heart. What's, like, what's, like, let's not have it all together. On the, let's check what's going on on the inside. And then he looks at Peter. This is Matthew 16, 13. He says, when Jesus came to this region, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? So he asked them, who do people say that I am? Which is the question that we're asking. Look. Hey, we got so many Facebook evangelists. Hey, yo, let me tell you about Jesus, tell you about yourself, and hit me up on Cash App. So what's going on in the world right now? And in the midst of that, Jesus he, he asked, Who do people say that I am? Come on. And the disciples respond to him, Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then he asked him a deeper question. He says, Okay, you've heard the, the, the rumors of who I am, but then he says, Who do you say I am? This is a loaded question because they could have said, you're Jesus who multiplies fish. You're Jesus who walks on water. You're Jesus who confronts religion and idolatry. You see what I'm saying? Like there was a lot of things that they could have said in this moment, but Jesus is giving them a heart check. You've been walking with me. You've been seeing me. You saw me heal the Gentile woman, which was outside of the paradigm. He's done so much. And then there's always, who are you? And then Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Jesus replies to you, blessed are you, Simon, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being, but now I say to you, watch this, verse 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So he confronts them with a question: Who do people say that I am? Same thing going on. People have a lot of different opinions about who this Messiah is, who is Jesus. But then he says, "Who do you say I am?" Peter responds to him, and I want you to see something that's important. Because in order for us to have a rightful view of ourselves, we must have a rightful view of Him. Yes, yes. Are you hearing me? Yeah. If you can't see Him rightly, you will not see yourself rightly. You can be serving in church. You can be on every serve team. You can sing the loudest. You can shout and roll. But at the end of the day, until you can answer this question that Jesus is asking you, who do you say that I am? Yeah, come on. Like, who told you to put on that armor? Like, who told you that things were going to play out that way? Mm -hmm. Can you see me rightly beyond your mistakes, beyond your shortcomings, beyond all the things that you think? Come on, Luke 15, prodigal son comes home. Let me be a slave. The father, I want you to see, the father does not even address the son. The son had taken on an identity. He moved from from son to slave, yet the father did not even recognize his admonition of this is who I am now. Get the robe, get the ring, get the sandals. Come on. And what he's doing for us as a people is the same way he confronted Peter. He's confronting the idolatry of religion. Come on, come on. It's not enough for you to know who Geo says Jesus is. Come on, yep. It's not enough for you to go to a conference. You can watch fifty thousand Facebook prophets. It's not enough.
0: Yeah, that's right. Come on.
1: What he wants to do with you is he wants to take you on this journey. And in the journey, you're going to see some amazing things, man. Come on. He's going to do miraculous things. He's going, to, he's going to multiply. You're going to see him transcend. And it's going to be amazing. But it's going to be unto this question. Who do you say that I am? Mm. This isn't something you're going to write on a piece of paper. This is going to manifest itself in the way you live your life.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And I, 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 I feel that today. Because what I see in the church and what I see here at Abide is God has given us an amazing group of people with incredible potential. Mm -hmm. If if you're sitting in a seat here today, maybe you've been church hurt, maybe you've been wounded, maybe you've been lost. What I want to say to you is there is amazing potential on the inside of you. And what God wants to do is he wants to plant you. Like, I I want to make this really tangible. I, I want you to see this. We've, we've talked about this before. But just because God has given you ability and potential doesn't mean that it's going to grow. So, like, I have seeds here. They're squash seeds, right? I got them. I hope they're big because I wanted you to do. I had mustard seeds last time. Oh, they're decent. They're decent. There's a seed. There's a seed here. And, like, so I want you to, in the context of identity, I want you to see that there's a very specific assignment for your life. That's why we talk to you about not letting past situations hurt you and about putting on Saul's armor or discouragement with the particle because this squash seed will never be a tomato. No matter how bad I want it to be a tomato, no matter how much I pray over, it's it's a squash seed. There is a purpose for the seed and it's to be squash. But the seed within itself is not enough. Like, for this seed to be fully realized into its potential, it must have the right environment. The environment matters. And so God, like, in the context of you, what he's doing is he's taking your little life. You're like, man, I want to grow. Yeah, he's going to take you, but then he's going to bury you. I know you don't want to hear this because you want to be super popular and you want everybody to love you. It just doesn't work that way. You have all the potential. Like everything that you need to be what God has called you to be is inside of you. Yeah. You don't need anybody to lay hands on you. Come on. It's not even gonna come by, by it's not, gonna come by, it's not even gonna come by being here. It's by following the Lord and what He's gonna do is He's gonna take your little life, He's gonna plant you somewhere dirty and uncomfortable. Yeah. And nobody's gonna see. Yeah. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna be seen. And it's it's wet and it's dark. And you're like, what is happening? It's uncomfortable, but he's developing you. Yeah. And this is important for you to know in the context of identity because some of the things you're asking God to deliver you from, he is using through pressure to produce inside of you what you need. Come on. Yeah. I'm trying to help you. Yeah, Come on. This will free you because you've been begging God for deliverance and you've been feeling forgotten. And you've disengaged your heart, and what he's really trying to do, he's trying to plant you in a place where you will flourish. Come on. It's like that's why I don't believe people are like, well, I don't need church. Yeah, you really kind of do. Yeah. Come yeah. on. I don't want you to come to church for your tithes. I, I don't care. I don't I want you to come to church because you need to get in the right environment yes. where you get rubbed, where you get challenged, so that you can produce something beautiful. So he'll take you and he'll plant you. And it'll feel like nothing's happening. Like I, I I could add put you in a soil and we could add water, but the truth is this seed's gonna grow when it's ready. Yeah. There's nothing I can do to speed up the process of the growth. Oh, are you tracking with me? Yeah, come on. Because what's happening is people are going like this, well, here I am, Jesus. Now you do the work, and he's like, that's not the way this works. It's not the way this works. I'm going to plant you in soil, and it's going to be, I'm going to hide you. And until you learn to love yourself where nobody can see you, I'm not going to allow you to be seen. And when it's the right time, as water, like I love that that the Bible calls it it the washing of the water of the word. Like as you add the word into your life, this is why we talk to you. You think we want you, we invite you to prayer room on Wednesdays because we want to have a lot of people in a room. We invite you on Wednesday nights to the prayer room because that is the quickest way for you to grow. Come on. Yeah. In the prayer room, your flesh dies. Yeah. In yeah. the prayer room, your ego dies. Come on. There's nobody preaching a sermon to make you feel better. Yeah. There's Come no. On. It's just you and Jesus yeah. in raw vulnerable moments. <laughs> and when it's the right appointed time, he'll begin to cause growth. And it'll be exactly what you always wanted it to be. So I had a a couple questions that that I wrote down here. Because I want to make it tangible for you. I don't know. Maybe you should even write it down. How, How do we grow in our identity? We recognize where we are. My wife hit all over. You recognize where you are. And after you recognize and you honestly evaluate, I would ask yourself, man, what soil are you planted in? It's important. Can I? Can I just be? Can I just be vulnerable? Thank you, somebody. God, leave. <laughs> Don't hold my breath. And this last season, I have been. He'll hate this, but I have been incredibly encouraged by the life of Covington. People thought, "Well, you're the one." No, there are people that God plants around me, and and as I watch God work in their life and release and them step, take take steps of faith. It does something to me. Yeah. It does something to me to have him in my pot. Yeah. And some of you, you don't realize, you're just like living your life on an island. And I would ask you, yeah. what soil have you surrounded? You can't do it alone. Come on. But it's a likely important that you evaluate, who do I have around me? Yeah. Yeah. Because the soil matters. So we recognize and we ask ourselves, what soil am I in? And then you get alone, stay alone. You get alone with Jesus and you allow him to pierce your heart with this question. Who do you say that I am? Yeah. <laughs> now who does Benny Hinn say? Now who, does G- who do you say I am? And here's the last thing and here's, here's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to really end this time. I'm going to have us do something. When I was at prayer summit, the Lord asked me this question Who are you? And I was confronted with this reality that it had been a while since I had looked and really asked myself that question. And when you don't, when you don't make declarations over your life partnering with heaven, other people will. They'll set the agenda, they'll set the tone. The enemy will set the trajectory to your life if you don't. Somebody's setting that agenda. So I sat down and I just began to write, I am. And I just, I'm just, I'll just share it with you because I want to give you context. I'm gonna, can I get somebody on keys real quick? I'm going to have us five minutes here. I want you to remember this isn't like I am Kara and I, I'm a gym owner or I'm John and I manage teams and I have Valentine people. Like, who are you? I was talking to Jalen at the end, and Jalen was saying the Lord, he had an encounter with the Lord. He said, how, he asked me, how do I figure out who I am? There's a couple of ways for me that it works. Number one is this, I follow my tears. I used to believe that I was just emotionally like, this. I would say this, I'm just emotionally disconnected. I can't, and then I began to ask the Lord, Lord, would you break me? And then he did it, and then I began to realize why am I crying right now? There's something about this moment that's touching something on the inside of me. That's it's making my spirit come alive. And so I begin to just ask the Lord, God, I want so, so I just wrote this down. I am I, I am a spiritual father. This is Gio. I'm just giving you an example. I'm an encourager. I am a visionary leader. I am a pioneer. These are things that the Lord said to me, right? And I'm I'm getting to the place in my life where I begin to believe that everybody needs to have this. Because the more you know who you are, the easier it becomes to say no to things you're not. (laughs) That's what we want. I just want to know, like, I am exactly where God wants me to be. And that means I just can't say yes to everything. I'm a Levite. We're raising up a generation of Levites. And I wrote, I'm alive to do hard things. Because I wanna know anytime I come across something that seems hard, I can remind myself, wow, I'm alive for this. Some people struggle, I'll say this, some people struggle to recognize what they are. I would say this I would write down the things about yourself that you don't like, that the enemy's been speaking to you, and usually it's the opposite. of times the enemy will put things on you he'll speak things you're this you're that and I would just identify what those lies are and I would write down the opposite and it's not writing it down just to write it down every morning when I sit before the Lord I open up this list and I say it to myself out loud I am a father I'm a Levite and what it does is it sets the tone for my day Any moment I'm confronted with someone, I realize I come into the I come in I come into the presence of Tyler. What I I want, I want to encourage him. I want him to feel better after my meeting than before the meeting. And every single one of you, we talked about the world having an identity crisis. The answer to the crisis is you. It's not abide. It's not this ministry. It's you. It's you walking in full kingdom identity and knowing who you are So here's what I want to do. I'm going to I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And then I'm going to give you a few moments to just write a few. I am and just write. Maybe 3, it doesn't have to be a lot. But I am, take out your phone, take out something. I want to ask everyone to just engage. I want to challenge you to at least write down 3 things. They don't have to be super hyper-spiritual, man. But here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, Father, right now, I silence every voice that is not your voice. Lord, I ask that your voice would become clear in this moment and that you would release identity right now. Lord, I have found that you release identity in, in still small moments, Lord, we're just making room. We're making room. So Father, release your voice. Your Bible says your sheep, they know your voice. So that means you made it accessible. Let's just take a few moments. I am and make some declarations.
0: why do why would we do something so basic and the lord told me he was like it's time that we go back to the basics he's like you don't get to graduate from the basics because the basics set your tone for your life and so there were things that the lord reminded me of that i had come into partnership with that was not him and so i want to be really clear right now that you need to break some partnerships One of the partnerships that I came into with is that I am not a homemaker. I would tell myself, I'm not a homemaker. I'm not this type of wife. I'm not this, I'm not that. And one day the Lord was calling me to be more at home and he was telling me to minister to my family more. And I said, but Lord, I am not a homemaker. And he said, I didn't tell you that. You told yourself that and then you partnered with it, but that was not of me. And so it's really important that these little things that come up and you go, well, this this is just who I am. This is just my makeup. I'm just this angry person. No, it's time that we come out of partnership with it. It's not who you are. It's not your family. Mental illness runs rampant in my family. And I caught myself years ago when I got diagnosed as being bipolar, I came into partner with something. And I said, this is who I am. And then I caught myself wearing it as a banner. And the Lord said, that's not the banner that I put over you. That's the banner a doctor put over you, and it's time to remove the banner. It's time to come out of partnership with it. And so right now, I just want us to close our eyes. I'm not trying to make a hype moment, but there are things I felt in my spirit I wasn't gonna share, but I felt the Lord tell me, come share, because we need to break partnerships. We need to break partnerships that people have said. So Lord, right now, we ask that the word would be like a hammer to us. In every partnership, we break. Everything that we have come into agreement, every lie of the enemy that says we are one thing, that says that we're not sons, that says we're not daughters, that says we don't have identity, we break it right now. Those things that call us orphans, that say we will always be a victim, we break it in the name of Jesus. We break it now, we do not partner with it. We do not partner with the lying spirit. We break the lie that this is just who I am. This is who I will always be. This is my family. This is how we are. We break it in the name of Jesus. We are no longer those things because you created us new in Christ Jesus. For we, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece created new in Christ Jesus. We are created new right now, Father. So we do not partner with those things, but we celebrate the things that you call us. And I felt really strongly, Corey said something when he was here and he was ministering. He said, if you go back to the beginning in Genesis 1, it says God. God was in the beginning. He's like, and then if you go back billions and billions and billions of years, God is still there. And I think that happens when we get along with the word and we begin to search the unsearchable. something happens when we look at him and we say oh there's so much more about you because when we get to know more about him we get to know more about us I know it's a I think a thing that we just say in the church and it's like you need to know who you are like you do you need to know him you need to know him because the enemy he will come in he will come in and tell you things in Genesis one of the first things he says to Eve he says you're naked and she runs up to God and she says oh God I'm naked why he said why do you have clothes on she's like well I'm naked he said but who told you you were naked because I didn't and she began to partner with a lie that she was never meant to partner with that doesn't happen when you know him that doesn't happen when you know him because when the enemy comes in and he says oh you're having a manic episode I say oh no Jesus because you healed me I don't partner with that. I'm not manic. I don't partner with it. I'm not depressed because you healed me. And I will remind myself and I'll say, oh, Lord, you are the Lord of my mind. You are the Lord of my body. And I will not partner with those lies.
1: Let's stand. I want to ask you, you wrote some stuff down. Maybe you didn't. You can do it at home. I want to I want to ask you to keep it somewhere you can see it and make some new declarations over yourself. It may feel awkward because maybe you can't see that right now, but that's okay. The more you begin to speak it over yourself, the more you'll begin to see it. Amen? I want to bless you, Father. I bless every person here. Father, I thank you that you are doing a work. Father, I thank you that you're releasing new identities over hearts, over minds. And Father, we just come into agreement with what Desi said that you're speaking new declarations over your people. And God, I ask that you would convict us when we speak things over ourselves that are not from you. Father, I bless their families. I bless their coming and their going. I bless their ministries. I bless their mind. I bless their children. And Father, I ask that you would continue to lead us into deeper waters where we can be refreshed and renewed by you and where you can become one and only. Keep us there, Father. Father, we give you all the honor and all the glory for everything that was done today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Love you guys. Listen, next week, Pastor Marcus is preaching. Yo, yeah, yo. Yeah. So it'll be awesome. He's going to continue this series. So I encourage you to come, bring somebody with you. Have an amazing week. Give somebody a high five. And we'll see you at the prayer room on Wednesday.